Sam Darnold is going to decide or determine who the the quarterback of the New York Jets is next season. It's it's up to him at, at this point. It's up to the current quarterback of the Jets to decide who next year's quarterback of the Jets is. And I I don't feel bad about that at all. There there have been times this season that I've I've watched Sam Darnold on the field and I I felt bad thinking about the lack of talent and the, the lack of support that he has and that he has had throughout his tenure with the Jets, but I have very little sympathy for Darnold and the situation he's in in terms of determining who the next quarterback of the Jets is, whether that quarterback is him or whether it's Trevor Lawrence. And the the Lawrence to the Jets buzz is is heating up immensely right now. You got the New York newspapers are are sending people to Clemson to to cover Lawrence and and get some inside information on him and and view him considering him the potential to have the ability to be the, the next Jets quarterback. And it's something that I kind of alluded to as far back as my post-game podcast from week one of this season. That that Joe Douglas came to the Jets, and the odds of him not wanting to stamp this team with his own quarterback at some point would be very slim. Because quarterbacks define general managers. If a general manager is going to win, they want to do it with their own quarterback. And if they're going to lose, they sure as hell, they're not going to lose and get blamed for it with somebody else's quarterback. And Sam Darnold is Mike McCagnan's quarterback. So now at 0-7, the last remaining winless team in the sport, the top pick looming, and somebody categorized as a generational quarterback as the prize, well, then common sense points to the possibility of a new quarterback being on deck for the Jets. And I don't buy it for a second that Trevor Lawrence would refuse to come to the Jets and return to school for another year. The Peyton Manning treatment. Peyton Manning, who Gary Myers has said, would have been a New York Jet had Bill Parcells just guaranteed Archie that he'd take and keep Peyton and not trade down in that draft. But Bill Parcells was unable to do that. I I don't think Trevor Lawrence would stay in school, though. I don't think he would demand a trade Either, I I don't think the NFL and Roger Goodell would even really allow that. Football is so bad in New York right now that I think it kind of favors the Jets in that type of situation. It's it's so bad with no real end in sight. And the NFL could use a decent team, could use a decent quarterback, a, a bright future and a bright light at the end of the tunnel for at least one of New York's football teams. And television ratings are are telling. Sports ratings are down across the board. The NFL is down a bit. I don't think at an alarmingly amount for the NFL, but the ratings are down, and you're seeing the Jets specifically attract record low audiences on television this year. The Jets, not the NFL. And they did a, a 3.9 in New York in one of their September games. I think the game against the 49ers was a 3-9, a record low game for the Jets, are almost a record low game for the NFL. I mean, 3-9 is a regular season baseball number, not an NFL number. So the NFL wants the Jets to be good. They, they want them to be at least decent, somewhat compelling. They want the, the New York market, and they're not going to let Trevor Lawrence spurn the Jets or... New York with that in mind, the fact that they they need to improve the New York market a little bit. But back to 
back to Darnold being the determining factor for who the Jets quarterback is next year. Because if Sam Darnold is the guy, if he is indeed the quarterback that we thought he was two, uh, three years ago, then the Jets are going to win a few games before the season is over. Because good quarterbacks don't go 0-16. If he's a franchise player, the Jets are going to win a few games. And, and that's kind of what happened last year. When we questioned this team and questioned Adam Gase and questioned Sam Darnold, they rattled off a bunch of wins to finish the year on a 6-2 and two run. Gave us as fans some confidence. And now it's up to Sam Darnold to do that again. And maybe not even to that extent. But finish the year at three and six, and he's the quarterback next year. I don't I don't care how bad the team and the coaching is, or how many injuries they have. If Darnold's the future, he can muster a three and six record and get the Jets out of the top spot in the draft and claim that this is his team for at least another season. Because I think it's Lawrence or Darnold. That's it. Those are the options for next year. The the, the Jets are not drafting a different quarterback other than Trevor Lawrence. If it's not Trevor Lawrence, then they're going to take just the best available player that's not a quarterback because God knows they need help at every single position. Maybe not left tackle, which we'll get to a little bit later. But if it's not Lawrence, then it's Darnold in terms of the quarterback position for the Jets next season. It's not going to be Dak Prescott. It's not going to be Matt Ryan. It's not going to be Aaron Rodgers because while I I think it's possible that the Packers could trade Rodgers at the end of the season in favor of Jordan Love, Rodgers would say no to the Jets. Rodgers is is not going to a franchise, to a team where he's not a Super Bowl contender. Trevor Lawrence won't say no. Aaron Rodgers will. He'll give New York the, the Ken Griffey Jr. treatment. Griffey, who declined a trade to the New York Mets in 1999 after the Mets and Mariners had agreed to a deal. But it's Darnold or Lawrence next year for the Jets. No other options. And it's up to Darnold to decide, up to Darnold to play decent, not even great, good or well, but just play decent. And he's the starting quarterback of the Jets next year. But you stay on the same plane, the same tracks that you're on right now, and then it's going to be Trevor Lawrence's team come next April. One team that 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 definitely needs a quarterback is the Patriots. I, I think for, for all the criticism that teams received around the NFL about bypassing Cam Newton when he was available, and then uh, he, he came out and he, he looked pretty decent against the Dolphins and the Seahawks in the first couple of weeks of the year, but we're seeing now that he just doesn't appear to have much left. Maybe he's not quite healthy, but at, at, at the age of, 31 with the the beating that he took in Carolina near the end of his tenure there, he he might never be fully healthy again. He's been awful of late. Absolutely awful against the Broncos and the 49ers, and now the, the Patriots actually look like maybe they are a bad team. While Tom Brady and the Buccaneers are looking like a Super Bowl contender. And if, if I had to put my money on Brady or Belichick a couple of months ago, I would have put it on Belichick. But now, the Patriots look like a team with a lot of holes, a team that's in need of a quarterback, and it's just kind of it's kind of like welcome to the NFL. Congratulations, Bill and New England, on, on on coming right back to the pack where everybody else has been for the last couple of decades. While you were off winning Super Bowls and divisions every single year with a historically good quarterback, 
But what what I could see for the Patriots, or what I could see in the NFL is Aaron Rodgers or Matt Ryan goes to the San Francisco 49ers. Rodgers is from California. Ryan obviously had his best success, a lot of his good success with Kyle Shanahan. Um, both would be good fits to finish their career in San Francisco. And then Jimmy Garoppolo goes back, reunites with Bill Belichick in New England. So I would say, I would say watch for that. Cause I, as, as good as the 49ers looked against the Patriots today, I still don't know that San Francisco is, is sold on Garoppolo right now. And if they have, if Kyle Shanahan has the ability to bring in Matt Ryan or Aaron Rodgers, similarly to the way Tampa Bay just brought in Tom Brady, I could see that absolutely happening. And if Garoppolo is, is available again, I think a, a reunion with New England makes, makes a ton of sense. Quick break on the Brandon Condes Jets podcast back after this. The lack of progression is so frustrating with, with Darnold. Like, we know that the team is bad. The coaching is bad. I'm, I'm certainly not about to pat Dowaloggins on the back for taking over the play calling, especially since you know, Darnold was, was most successful at the beginning of this game against Buffalo. Started out 11 for 13, 116 yards. That just means that the Jets came into this game with a good offensive game plan. And don't you think that Adam Gase had a lot to say in designing that game plan? Don't you think Gase probably orchestrated and scripted a lot of the plays for the first couple of drives in this game? The first half played out mostly by design. A lot of that's Gase. And then you get Darnold finished up one for ten. Four yards and two interceptions. Embarrassingly bad. That's abysmal. One for ten, four yards, two picks. And most of that is two things. Play calling by Loggins and halftime game planning from Gase, which we say pretty much every single week that Gase is terrible at. Gase might be the worst coach in football when it comes to halftime adjustments, tweaks and, and game plans in the middle of the game. And that, that was on full display right there against the Bills. Bad interception at the, the the end of the first half by Darnold. Essentially just handed the Bills three points and momentum going into the half goes goes right to Buffalo. Rookie mistake. Even his his fumble early in the fourth quarter. It's third and 13. There's a quarterback blitz and and not having a play there isn't on Darnold. Like, like not having somewhere to go there is not on Sam Darnold. The pocket collapsing and getting sacked is not on Darnold. Maybe a veteran sees the blitz coming and changes the protection, but the Jets' offensive line sucks regardless, and I, I don't I don't blame having no protection on Darnold there. But trying to bust through the defensive line, it's it's not like you just needed two yards for the first down, where maybe you can make something happen and, and pick up a, another another set of downs. You needed thirteen yards there, so what are you doing? Just tuck the ball in. Protect the ball and punt at that time. No, know your losses when when you have to. But Darnold holds the ball lackadaisically, tries to force his way through for just a couple of yards at best, and he fumbles. Yes, the Jets recovered and and they ended up punting there, regardless. But the bottom line is that right there, that fumble is a rookie mistake. That's a mistake that you would hope Sam Darnold would have overcome by year three. That's a mistake that you would have hoped Sam Darnold left maybe in the first half of his first season in the NFL, and then you never see it again. 
but no progression from Darnold. And then the interception to essentially end the game, down eight points. And in terms of the the Jets' offensive ability, they'd essentially need a, a miracle to come back at that point. But second and 22 at your own 20, and you get the ball batted and picked by the defensive line as they make it look like they're playing volleyball with Darnold's pass there. It just, again, shows a little awareness, little presence at the line, little growth, little progress. And I, I don't care how bad the team is, how bad the talent is. There are mistakes that Darnold made during his rookie season. Th- these are examples of repeating those mistakes. And these are examples of a quarterback looking like the exact same player in year three as he did in year one. Year one, game one. He's not getting better. And it's frustrating. And it's discouraging. And if he isn't the quarterback next year, then that's his fault. That's on him. I mean, you want you want to try to give this team a couple of pats on the back? The red zone defense forcing eight field goal attempts? Eight field goal attempts is pretty crazy, but nonetheless, credit Greg Williams and the defense for keeping Buffalo out of the end zone. And Quinnen Williams, he, he wasn't and he hasn't been great, but... I'm not ready to deal him for a second-round pick right now in year two. He's shown a couple of flashes so far in his young career, and you know when he's healthy, he's gotten into the backfield some. And I know he's not a Joe Douglas guy either, but we can keep some of Mike McCagnan's guys, some of his draft picks, some of his free agent signings. You don't have to get rid of all of them. There, there shouldn't be a need to rush and trade Quinn and Williams midseason for less than equal value. You want to deal Avery Williamson? I get that. Because I was kind of shocked that they kept him this season coming off the knee injury. But when C.J. Mosley opted out, it, it left a void and had a bit of a need for him. But Avery looks pretty healthy. He's a veteran. He's a free agent at the end of the season. He's productive. Do him a favor kind of like you did with McClendon and, and just get him into a better situation. But Quinn and Williams, I'm not ready to to just give up yet. Other compliments, the the offensive line, which is, is brutal. Uh, Darnold was clobbered again. But Mekhi Becton is the bright light there. It was good to see him back in the lineup after missing a few weeks aside from a cup of coffee in the Broncos game when when he, he came in and probably shouldn't have been in that game. But a solid day of blocking, a couple of penalties, one bad one on a third down conversion of Chris Herndon. But I chalk that more up to, to a little bit of rust, just missing a few games than I do inabilities by Becton. He had one penalty in his first three games, so two in his first game back from an injury is is not great. Uh, but I don't necessarily look at them that as as him having reckless tendencies. We'll say what may have been a little bit reckless with Becton though was putting him in the game against the Broncos on that Thursday night a few weeks ago because he he was hurt against the Colts and then seemingly too hurt to start against Denver, uh, but he was considered day to day. It was a short week, so if he is a little bit banged up, that to me should be a week that you absolutely do skip, but he gets put in that game kind of out of necessity and hurts his shoulder even more. So so whose decision was it for Becton to dress? Uh, whose decision was it for Becton to then get in the game because he clearly wasn't ready? And I think that ended up setting him back more and, and cause him to miss a couple of games two extra weeks than he likely would have had he just sat out that Thursday night game fully. So I feel like whether it was Gase 
uh, whether it was Douglas, the trainers, somebody needs to to get a little bit of blame for that decision to say, yeah, Becton can go in that game against the Broncos before he was actually healthy and ready to do so. And then obviously it backfired because he ended up missing a couple extra weeks out of it. And, and that's just a couple of extra weeks that you would hope that you have Becton out there and and, and watching him develop and get better and, and prove to be worthy of where you drafted him back in April. But whether it's Darnold or Trevor Lawrence, I think that the Jets have their quarterback's best friend, a big, bruising, nimble left tackle in Mekhi Becton, and hopefully he fills that blindside void for uh, the next decade for the Jets. It was good to see him contribute. Well, it, it was it was good to see Becton, LaMichael Pirine, and Denzel Mims. Yes, Denzel Mims with an appearance in this game, in this season. Uh, it was good to see those three players all drafted by Joe Douglas this year. So give a little credit where credit is due. Nice to see three players in the same draft class, rookie three rookie players from the same draft class, making a, making an impact on one drive. And they did that on the Jets' lone touchdown drive of the game in their 18-10 to loss to the Buffalo Bills. And P. Ryan and Mims, they didn't do a ton in this game. P. Ryan got a, a, lot, of, a lot of run, which you like. Nice to see. Gase willing to put him on the field wasn't tremendous by any means, but just just to see P. Ryan Mims and Becton all play a role in a touchdown score for the Jets is kind of encouraging. It was encouraging for Douglas's ability to to draft, encouraging for the amount of draft capital that the Jets have in the next couple of years. And I, I've I've criticized Douglas a bit the last couple of weeks, and if I'm being honest, I, I'm likely to do it again a few more times before the season's over, but it was it was a treat to see three rookies contribute on the same drive, three offensive rookies. Encouraging signs are, are always welcome in a season where uh, they're going to be few and, and far between. And as, as hard as it is to find wins on the schedule, I, th- I think the Jets will finish better than 0-16, and I think Joe Douglas will return. Hopefully for Douglas, Woody Johnson likes him because I think Woody Johnson is going to be the Jets owner again beginning January 20th, 2021, because there's likely to be a new president and a new ambassador to the United Kingdom on that day. But the most interesting and curious thing to me about Joe Douglas is what is his relationship with Adam Gase? Because it looks right now, it looks kind of like Gase signed his own pink slip before he even coached his first game prior to last season with the Jets. Because the the worst thing that he did was was kick Mike McCagnan, kick Mike McCagnan, a, a general manager that had pressure on him now to put together a winning team. So the, the, the worst thing that he did was kick him out of the front office, and Gase did do that. He kicked McCagnan out, and he handpicked Joe Douglas as the new general manager. McCagnan was... Not a great general manager by any means. I'm not going to defend him in, in that case. That's that's certainly fair. But where is this team today if McCagnan was still at the helm? If, if McCagnan is in charge, he has a lot of pressure on him because he was here for a while. So he doesn't have the ability to strip the team down again. He does everything he possibly can over the summer to improve the Jets. Jamal Adams is still here. Robbie Anderson is still here. The playmakers are better. There's pressure on McCagnan to not only build a playoff competitor, but to prove that he picked the right guy in drafting Sam Darnold. So McCagnan would have built 
a team that Adam Gase could compete with. But instead, he handpicks a general manager that wants to scrap the plan, strip the roster, rebuild from the bottom up, put his own stamp on the team, utilize his own viewpoints, which, let's face it, are philosophically different from Mike McCagnin's. So Gase said, get rid of the guy that has pressure on him to win. Get rid of the guy that wants to give me talent and bring in the guy that wants to gut the franchise and start from scratch. That right there shows Gase is a little strange, a little uncomfortably confident in his own skin. And it has 100% backfired on him to the point where it will not only cost him his job, but it will likely keep him from ever getting another head coaching job in the NFL. What employee of any business, industry, or company looks for a boss that wants to eliminate their resources. That, that That's what Gase did. He signed his pink slip. He committed his own career suicide by forcing McCagnin out and bringing in Douglas. And it's kind of laughably fascinating when you think of it, but it's going to lead to his exit, and it's by his own doing. What What a mess. What a franchise. Thanks for listening to the Brandon Contest Jets podcast. And as always, big